0: This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Hello, I'm Glenn Wheeler. Welcome to episode 277, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Mi'kmaq Matters. You heard a lot here on Mi'kmaq Matters about the controversial wind energy plan that would place hundreds of wind turbines on the Port-au-Port Port Peninsula and in the Codroy Valley. But there's another massive project proposed for central Newfoundland. 452 wind turbines stretching from north of Grand Falls, Windsor, all the way to Leading Tickles. There would be 500 kilometers of new roads and hundreds of hectares of land cleared. At risk is Old Growth Forest, whose location on higher elevations put it out of reach for Abitibi logging, but makes it a possible location for wind turbines. Residents are concerned and they're speaking up. Our guests this week are two members of a new group. Proposed wind turbines and ammonia plant in exploits concerned citizens. Here's our conversation with Leanna Paul and Robert Loader. So Leanna and Robert, great to have you on the program to talk about uh, this wind energy project uh, in your area. So let's, uh, let's tell listeners first about the scope of the project, how many wind turbines and where they're going to be built if this thing goes through.
1: Initially, the proposal that was submitted and uh, the information that was released from CBC stated that there will be 300 wind turbines um, placed between Leading Tickles and Botwood and up around New Bay Lake towards Grand Falls, Windsor. Um, in the information session that the Everett held in December, um, the information boards that they presented to the public, uh, the information, the number was increased from 300 to 452 turbines. So that's a massive increase from the original proposal to what they're developing or proposing right now. Mm. Um, And so just that number alone is, is almost double what the original proposal was.
0: And we're not only talking about a turbine uh, high in the sky, these turbines are uh, more than 600 feet uh, high, but there's also the, uh, what goes on on the ground. Below the turbines, in terms of how much land they have to clear, and the roads they they need to build to connect all these turbines.
1: Uh, correct. Yes. So um, we don't have the information for the laydown areas from this project. We're going off of the uh, environmental impact statement that was submitted for the World Energy GH two project and. According to their environmental impact statement, they require between one to two um, hectares, I believe, which translates to 2.5 to 5 acres per turbine, in order to have the equipment and um, and the construction vehicles there to to build the. Turbines so, and from the information from Everett, they're stating that there will be over 500 kilometers of upgraded existing roads and new roads constructed. So, the roads that they're referring to um, are the ones that were previously used by Abitibi during the logging days before the mills shut down in Grand Falls. Mm -hmm. So, uh, several of these roads and areas, um, they haven't been. Used in decade or even longer, and a lot of them are naturally recovering from that activity. So their proposals with the right of ways and the clearances plus the transmission lines, it will cover. Um, I believe just for the laydown areas, it's between one to two thousand acres that they're going to be using. So
0: mm-hmm. this uh, this company is called the Exploits Valley Renewable Energy Corporation. So that sounds like a very down homey local uh, central company, what do we know about the people behind
1: Everett? That's an excellent question. Um, from my research, the uh, the only names I could remember, unfortunately, from the presentation um, was Ravi Sood, who is originally from Ontario and currently a resident of Hong Kong, according to his uh, LinkedIn profile, and the other CEO, um, is James Coulter E.D. And I'm, I didn't really catch where he was from originally, but he's currently residing in um, Romania, according to his uh, LinkedIn profile. So, and so I believe concerned. Liana has a, a business card of James Coulter ED and the numbers on that show foreign numbers as well. So I don't think that these gentlemen have any connection to Exploits Valley or to Newfoundland in general, so.
0: Right, so you're not gonna see him at the supermarket in uh, in Grand Falls.
1: No, and just to say that you won't see them there, like um they have they announced that they open an office in the area of Dotwood in the Wallace Sevier building, which is a former Anthony Insurance office. Um, but we have it on good authority that um, they have no equipment or computers or anything installed or in place in their office, and there's nobody ever in that office. So People have been trying to go to their office and get answers because um, we're just not getting responses to the valid concerns that we're submitting through email. Mm. But right now, there's no way that we can actually get any information from them because there's nobody here.
2: They also on their um, website, so they have, I've seen two different email addresses uh, for the company right now. Uh, One was like info at everg.energy while the other was info at everg.energy.com. Neither of them have worked. Emails have bounced back. Um, as well as on their website, there's a Google form that you can fill out with your concerns. And I've also filled that out and have not received any response. For
0: people who might not be familiar with that uh, area of the province, we're talking about the area from um, from Botwood Northeast all the way up there to Leading Tickles. Uh, so tell us about that uh, that area. Give us a, a brief visual as if we were uh flying overhead and looking down uh what um what the communities are in that area that would be affected
2: yeah so i'll just start with grand falls windsor as a starting point i guess as that's a more uh, ur- urban i'll say center um so you know we, to access to get to botwood you've got to travel about 15 minutes east on the trans canada highway of grand falls windsor and then you turn off the trans canada um so then you that brings you to the botwood highway So you drive down the Botwood Highway and probably about 10 minutes of driving down there, you would reach the site where the ammonia plant would be um, just along the highway. I have a feeling it would likely be hidden away further from the road, of course, because, you know, they don't want people to see that stuff. Uh, But yeah, so, you know, you've got the communities of Bishop's Falls as soon as you turn off the highway and then you'll approach Peterview, uh, then Botwood, and then after Botwood is Northern Arm. Um, past Northern Arm, there's two different. There's a branch, so you, you know you fork towards. There's a fork in the road. I guess you can call it towards Point Leamington or go towards uh, communities of Point of Bay, Fortune Harbor, Pouchols Cove, uh, Phillips Head. Um, all of those areas have turbines slated to be constructed around them. Um, as well as you know, as you go towards Point Leamington, which is a bit of a 20-minute highway, there are s- supposed to be a a cluster i believe of uh, turbines in that area as well along the highway which is a heavily wooded area um you know so it's going to be quite heavily disturbed i feel um and then as you get to point Lamington um in the immediate area of point leamington near residences there's not a lot of turbine construction um you know on the map right now um you know who's to say that might not you know that could change of course um but then as you drive past point leadington uh well you can turn towards pleasant View, and i believe that area robert is supposed to get some turbines as well pleasant View area
1: um, I'm not sure about Pleasant View exactly, but uh, you have to drive past uh, Bobby's Cove, which is a cabin area, and then you get to Pleasant View, or they also call it Paradise Cove. That's what it'll show up on as a map, and that's a limited service district as well. But I, I I, believe that they had some coming right up to, I believe, within a kilometer of the entrance to Point Lemington, and directly on the back of Rousel's Hill uh, by our Salmon Rivers.
2: Yes, so and then as you drive past Point Leamington, there's another uh, harbor of Western Arm, which is mostly a cabin community, but many people do live there, um, especially a lot of retirees. Um, A lot of turbines are supposed to go up in that area as well, which also has a very uh, well-known Salmon River in that area, Um, but all along one area of that bay, um, there's a lot of turbines to go up in in the cabin areas, essentially. Mm. Um, and then as you travel towards Leading Tickles as well, um, there's going to be more turbines, which is a very scenic community. Um, however, the, at the last meeting, we were told that the turbines that were supposed to be placed near Leading Tickles have now been moved away from Leading Tickles. So, mm. I think yeah, okay. most of the communities there. <laughs>
1: i just want to add as well that when that was in the meeting that she was a member or met with the everett committee um but in the public information session i don't think that they mentioned moving any of those turbines so we're getting conflicting information depending on which meeting you attend as well
0: robert you mentioned the uh the the abitibi uh land uh, and a lot of this was abitibi land and i think there's a tendency perhaps to Think of this land as not as uh, environmentally valuable as uh, you know old growth or places that haven't been logged people might think well you know it's already been logged so what's the big deal it's not we're not dealing with uh, you know the Amazon rainforest. Um, So what would be the concern uh, about uh, opening up this uh, land that's already been logged.
1: Well, that's a great point. Um, when Abitibi was harvesting the timber here and locally, um, there's a lot of areas that they couldn't access to higher elevations and the peaks on the hills. So a lot of those areas remain undisturbed and are actually old growth forests, which is critical for bats and birds and environmental sustainability as well. So uh, in the meeting in December, I specifically asked that question and made them aware. I said, there's a lot of these areas within this uh, proposed Project that continue to be old growth forests, and I, I asked for a commitment that they would not be disturbed, um, and that that they would remain or be surveyed and protected. Um, unfortunately, the response I got was. Um, A little dismissive of my pain and he said, well, we're going to try to do everything we can and not use those. But given the history of locations that work best for wind turbines, um, they seem to go right on top of every mound that they can in order to place them to get the best amount of wind. So, I don't feel confident that these uh, individuals understand the importance that we have to these areas and as well since Abitibia is pulled out of this place um, a lot of these areas have been in recovery and they haven't been harvested in decades so um, we're in the process of like reviving naturally or recovering and they're just proposing to come in and rebuild the roads widen them cut down more of a right of way instead of just the regular access roads that are here mm. um, as well as the the clear cutting and flattening for the Two and a half to five acres per turbine. Um, but a big concern with that. And it was asked, like, well, how will these roads and the new construction and upgrade affect our wildlife and locals? Um, and uh, funny, you mentioned the moose. I harvested my own personal moose this year, right at a, a lo- exact location where one of the dots is located on the map on Diver Pond mm. Road, which is just between here and Northern Arm. Anybody who's local, they would know it's around the, the danger curve, we'll say. <laughs> That's a famous little curve in Diver Pond Road. Um, so my concern with that is that, okay, so if you have way more roads that are accessible, um, then the predators are going to have easier access to our wildlife as well. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but we have a species of coyote wolf hybrid in central Newfoundland. So if they have more access to chase down the moose, when the moose get tired from walking in the deep snow, then that's going to negatively impact our moose population, which impacts our self sustainability and traditional way of living here in the area. Yeah. So and, and that, again with the with the scope of the uh the scope of the project, it, it doesn't just follow the roads here. It goes all the way up back by Twin Lakes and New Bay Lake. And that's a huge area and covers almost all of the greater St. John's area.
2: Yeah, and not to mention I tend to spend a lot of the time in the summer foraging for berries and things like that with my family. And I go in on these old Abitibi cutovers. And, you know, we're it's to the point now that, you know, it's hard to find blueberries because we're well past that point of, you know, you have a cutover and one of the first species to grow back is the blueberry plant. They're mm. one of the very first ones to come back. We're having a harder time finding blueberries now because they're in a greater level of recovery. These these cutovers are well, you know, they're advancing quite, you know, well with, you know, to recover from the harm the of Abitibi, which, um, you know, they're advancing well. But I say Abitibi pulled out, what, 20 years ago now or something like that. Um, but, you know, so we're seeing that, you know, it is recovering, um, but we're going to be set back once again,
0: if Mm. this goes ahead. So Leanna, what, what are you hearing from, from people? A lot of people will be impacted as, as you've, you said there, Uh, typically with these things, uh, you have some support because maybe people who are working in, um, in Fort Mac, I think they can move back and not have to you know, be two weeks away from the family, two weeks on and two weeks off. Um so what what are you hearing from people in the area? Is it is it support? Is it concern? Uh what's the and maybe it varies from uh, a place like Botwood to uh a place like uh, point leamington
2: absolutely it does and um you know in our area where Robert and I live in Point Leamington um we have a lifestyle that you know is really heavily involved with the land and the water so you know we have most everybody here owns um a side by side or a four-wheeler to access you know to use the access roads to harvest their moose or get their berries or whatever um as well as you know fishing and you know using the land and you know respecting it as well um so i find that the majority of people who live here in our town are against it given my conversations with people and things of that nature and people who have reached out to me and made comments and such um, as for Botwood, I find that because they, and I should actually, before I get to that point, we have an industry here in Point Lington right now. We have a superior glove factory that employs well over 100 people, 100 to about 150 people, depending on, you know, where, you know, how the economy is, I guess. Um, but Botwood hasn't had much in the line of industry in many years now, especially since their port became less active since Abitibi, um, you know, pulled out of central Newfoundland type thing. So, um, it seems like in Botwood, you're getting more of a response of, well, we need jobs. We need economic stimulation and growth. Uh, we want to revive the port, you know, because we've got a lot of, you know, older individuals, more uh, or senior citizens and things like that who did live in a time where they saw the port thriving and active and things like that. So it's almost like a nostalgic thing where they yeah. want to revive that port to, you know, create this bustling community of, you know, people living there and children and, you know, into... Create a little bit more, um, I guess, stability in their very local economy. But um, anywhere, anybody who lives in one of these smaller communities—Point Lington, Western Arm, uh, Phillips Head, Capital's Cove, uh, Point of Bay—you're getting people who are typically, and I'm speaking to very more generally, they are against this project and they're very concerned about their ability to live the lifestyle that they currently live.
0: It sounds very similar to the situation. Um... In Stephenville and the Port of Port Peninsula, Cadway Valley, where people in Stephenville, I think there's probably more support for the World Energy GH two project in Stephenville than uh, and people out on the out on the peninsula and in the valley are are against it, and uh, for the similar reason for the jobs, uh, or the ported jobs, I guess. Um, has anyone raised the issue of? Uh, the proximity to a large ammonia plant and the the health risks of uh, <clears throat> being so close to such a facility and the danger of an ammonia spill. Of course, we know that uh, ammonia is a very corrosive, dangerous uh, uh, compound. Um, has there been any, any discussion about that?
2: I have one person come up to me and, and express those concerns. One mm-hmm. person out of the people I've spoken to. Um, other than that, um, I haven't really heard anybody talk about the risk of ammonia and living near such a high risk facility. I don't know about Robert's experiences, but that's mine so far. Mm-hmm.
1: No, from uh, my experience, the only people who were supportive of it, and I, I want to admit or confirm like in this area in the smaller communities, it's a very small minority that people do support it and they're going to basically directly benefit themselves during the construction process. Nobody really talks about that. And like we said in the meeting, when the question was raised, what the effects of ammonia are, uh, Mr. Sood, he just skirted the question and didn't really answer it. So
0: Mm. So where are we now in the process? Uh, Everick will have to go through an environmental review uh, process, um, which has yet to happen. Um, there may or may not be requests for a federal uh, uh, environmental impact um, study, uh, and it may or may not be granted. Uh, it wasn't in the World Energy GH two project in in, in Stephenville. Um, so, where are we, and what are the uh, what are the next steps in uh, as far as Everett is concerned?
1: uh we really only get information from the information sessions at this point we don't have any updates since december um from what i understand not one person's got received response to any of the emails so we're just waiting to see what they do next at this point like we don't know when the eis will be submitted uh the concerns and questions from residents aren't being answered so we're just left in limbo until the government or the company makes another announcement
0: it's yeah uh, but... and
2: um when at the meeting without Al- at the halibu ward meeting that i attended um they were very much to kind of add to what robert said here um they were like you know if you have any concerns reach us by email you know here's our email please reach out we want to help you we want to work with you. and this whole rhetoric and i said to them i replied i said well how come you haven't answered my email and they said you sent an email and i said yeah they said to what address, and I showed them the address I sent it to. And Ravi, who was sitting across the table from me, Ravi Sud, He uh, he kind of I showed him the email address, and he kind of gave me a nod. And that was about that was the extent of the conversation.
0: Yes. Now, uh, speaking of Halibu, uh Leanna, where where uh, is Halibut yeah. on this? Uh, I understand that um, exploits. Uh, Ward counselor Charlene Comden had an information meeting. Uh, tell us about that and what uh, her and the Halibut position is on uh, Everett.
2: Yeah, so um, I'll back up a little bit from that meeting, actually, because I attended the annual General Assembly uh, that Halibut held in Grand Falls, Windsor. Um, I think that was about a month or two before the Halibut meeting with mm-hmm. Um And at the time, Chief Mitchell... Um, uh, he, you know, had his opening remarks and such, and he brought up the project on the West Coast there in the port of port area and about their concerns and how the population there is very divided. They have some halibut membership in strong support of the project and, you know, some of their membership, you know, strongly against the project. Um, but he didn't mention Everett. He mentioned World Energy G at H2, but he did not mention Everett. Now, he mm-hmm. did he did say that, you know, he understands that this is happening in this area as well, but he... He never really said anything about how the membership is feeling about it here. Um, he only referenced the West Coast. Um, so after that meeting, I, I went to speak with him, but I ended up speaking with, uh, I guess, interim interim chief uh, Jenny Brake. I believe that's her title. She's interim, yep. chief, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I, I spoke with her, and she said, you know, like, reach out to me. Like, you know, I am open to hearing your concerns. She was very receptive and very, um, you know welcoming of you know to listen to my concerns and things like that now I haven't since spoken to her but I hope to soon um so you know and she she empathized with you know the concerns I had um so then fast forward a month or so to the Halibut me- uh, Exploits board meeting uh where uh Charlene Comden called it and they invited Everett to present the turnout there was rather small um it was a bit of short notice slightly short notice but uh you know, it was near Christmas time and stuff. So, you know, I guess that could, you know, be part of the, the small turnout. Um, there was only about seven, six or seven of the Hollywood membership there. And then there were about four or five individuals representing Ed Breck there. Ravi Sood, Dean, I can't remember his last name. That's, he's one of the partners, I believe. I can't remember his last name, sorry. Um, Ravi, Dean, um, and there was, I believe she's his their assistant. Um, I can't remember her name either, um, as well as Strum Environmental, they were there. Um, So during that meeting, you know, many of the membership, myself and another lady, especially sitting behind me, we asked a lot of questions about how are you going to protect the land and, you know, and such. And they answered them, you know, to the best of their knowledge. And, you know, like they're willing to learn about the culture and the land and such. Um, Our exploits war counselor did ask some valid questions of the of the Evrec partners, um, essentially, she asked them to consider how are they going to protect the land, uh, given that, you know, it is our land and such. And I will also mention that they haven't opened any meetings with land acknowledgements. Uh, so that's another wor- point worth noting. Um, uh, she, she I, I feel like our board councillors haven't really taken a stance for or against the project. Um, if anything, it seems like it's kind of it seems to me, in my opinion, that they're kind kind of trying to work with the companies rather than against them. Um, you know, I guess in hopes that if it does go ahead, which, you know, we hope it doesn't. Uh, but if it does go ahead, that, you know, there will be benefits to Hollywood and the membership. But it seems like the concerns of our membership here in Central um, I feel like our opposition to the project for a lot of the membership is not really being heard or expressed uh, as clearly to the um, company by our representatives.
0: Leanna Paul and Robert Loder. You can find their group on Facebook. Proposed wind turbines and ammonia plant and exploits concerned citizens. And that's it for the program. Alison Baker is the producer of Big Mom Matters. Hilary McGinnis is our researcher. I'm Glenn Wheeler. I'm